0: One of the things that I really remember, kind of one of those first time moments where you're just wowed. Uh, When I was a freshman at the Michigan State University and I was in the Brody Hall complex and the whole section of like six dorms shared a central cafeteria. And I will never forget as a young 18 year old buck going into the dining hall that first time with my roommate and just seeing seven or eight full-length buffet food areas i mean there was a huge salad bar section a sandwich section a pizza section a pasta section, some kind of main entree, a whole huge dessert section, a huge wall of different fountain drinks that we could get, and to just go in there, like three times a day with one of these, and be able to go, yup, yup, no way that has onions, (laughs) yup, 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 and pick and choose. And pick and choose, it was heaven to a young man. I say that because sometimes I think we treat following Jesus a little bit like that. That we get to go through the line of all of Jesus' teachings and words and ways... And we get to pick and choose which ones we want to put on our tray. But when we get to some hard, even some very difficult and challenging words of Jesus, sometimes we're tempted to say, nah, I'm going to leave that one on the shelf. Because I like the easy Jesus and the comfortable Jesus, and the Jesus who fits my values and plans. But cafeteria Christianity is not the discipleship that Jesus summons to in the Gospels. Jesus and the Great Commission said, make disciples by baptizing and teaching them to observe, guard, all that I have commanded you. This is important because we're in November now and we're talking about following Jesus financially. And it can be one of those areas of teaching that we might want to treat like a cafeteria where no... I know he says it, but I'm going to leave that off my faith tray. But you know, if Jesus gives overwhelming emphasis to a teaching, it's probably really important for us and our faith walk with him. Just in the Gospel of Luke alone, one in every six verses... Jesus speaks to money and possessions. Two of every three parables Jesus tells in Luke speaks to money and possessions. He talks about this more than he even does belief, faith, or heaven and hell. Why did Jesus spend so much time then and now teaching about following him with our material assets and finances? Because on one hand, he knows the danger they pose with our faith walk. Because we all have a sinful nature, money and possessions can be a very big obstacle. But through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, the same resource, money and possessions, can also be a tremendous font of blessing. Not just for this life, but Jesus will show us even for the life to come. And so as we talk about financial anxiety today and financial worry, I want you to start by putting yourself on a scale, not the dirty Dr. weight scale. From a 1 to a 10, from no sweat at all, To 10, maybe panic mode. Where would you put your financial worry and anxiety this morning? Where would you put yourself from 1 to 10? As you consider maybe retirement or student loan debt or that mortgage or second mortgage or those credit card bills or... Christmas season upon us. Where are you? For the last 15 to 20 years, we've heard an awful lot about the millennial generation. But I'm curious and I'm excited that more research and stuff now is coming out on Generation Z. Our children, if you're a boomer, your grandchildren. If you're a builder, you're great-grandchildren. Recently a few years ago gen z was asked those born from 1997 to 2012 what are your top 10 stressors right now as you look at the whole life before you hands down number 1 was money followed by health work family one safety relationships housing cost job stability the economy and discrimination were their top 10. How many of those, in one form or another, relate to money and possessions? About half. And as you sit and think about your generation, maybe your answers, your top stressors, are not too far from Gen Z's. Financial anxiety, among all other anxieties, cannot just take a hit to our faith, but even our body and minds. These are some of the top ten signs that we might have an anxiety problem, including that would be financially. Restlessness, irrational fears, well maybe or what if. Or maybe it's fatigue, we're just continually tired as our minds are just going and going about finances and material, insomnia, worrying about petty things, lack of concentration because we're so focused and dwelling on that area. Panic attacks, agitations, easily angered or outburst. right? Paranoia and sickness, what an impact, even financial worry and anxiety, can wreak on our health. What if Jesus had a different word? What if Jesus had a different way for his children than what you see on the screen? Would you want that Instead, We're going to continue in Luke chapter 12. Last week, Pastor Micah kicked off the series with the beginning of chapter 12. In the beginning of chapter 12, Jesus makes a very blunt statement. Truth. All his words are truth. He says, One's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Jesus could have stopped there, right? We got it. Point taken. Life is not about how much we have. But this is so important to Jesus that he tacks on then a story to emphasize it even further. Jesus tells them about a man who spends his whole life amassing more. More, 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 more. He has a really fruitful year and he says, what should I do with all this excess? I know, I'll build even bigger barns so I can store even more. And his one life goal was to just kick back, eat, drink, and be merry. Take the easy road. But then Jesus says the man died. And everything he spent his whole life amassing, how much do you think went with him to the next? Zero. I've been a pastor for over 18 years now. I've done many funerals. I have yet to see a U-Haul behind a hearse. We brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing with us. So while the world would have looked at the man in Jesus' story and said, Man, that success, Fortune 500. Jesus said, Nah, he was actually bankrupt. And here where it counts. And now it would cost him for eternity. When you hear these words of Jesus, (laughs) any of you feel a little on edge? How do you think his disciples felt when he just told them life is not about the abundance of possessions? And consider this man's story. Where do you think the disciples were between one and ten? They were in the orange, at least. Maybe even in the red. Because our text today, Jesus tells that's where they were. They heard his words and they were filled with material and financial anxiety. Lord, then what do we do for life and living? And that's where Jesus, in today's words is going to have his own top ten for us. In these next words, you are going to notice ten imperatives, ten commands from Jesus of how we can overcome financial worry and anxiety. Here's the first imperative. After Jesus just told that word and that story of the man, look at what he said to the disciples. Guys, stop having anxiety in your soul so it was deep it was down deep after they had just heard jesus words about that guy's life stop having anxiety in your soul over what you will eat and over what you will wear because life is more than food and the body is more than clothing The world would lead us to believe that, especially this time of year with this whole bombardment of ads. But Jesus says your life is so much more than just your food and clothing. And he's going to give two illustrations now. The first illustration shows us that we don't have to have anxiety about food. And then his second illustration shows us that we don't have to have anxiety about our clothing either. Look at the next imperative. Jesus says, Consider the ravens. Gah! Gah! They neither sow or reap, they don't have storeroom or barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more do you yourselves differ from the birds? Meaning and value and importance and worth. And then Jesus throws this in there too. And who of you, by having anxiety, can add a single cubit, 18 inches, the length of your forearm to your lifespan? And because he's God, he says, if you can't even do a small a thing as that, why worry about the other matters? What do we know about ravens in the Old Testament? They are an unclean animal. If God cares enough, for even the unclean birds to feed them, don't you think he is going to feed you who matter so much to him that he even gave you his son? And Jesus says, and what good does having in this context financial and material anxiety even do? If you're facing a challenge or a crisis in this regard in your family, would you ever just say, okay, everybody, let's meet, let's huddle together. We're just gonna sit here and worry about it. Is that gonna change anything? (laughs) Does worry or anxiety constructive in any way? Jesus says, no. So he's saying, stop it across the board. Stop being anxious about what you will eat. This is not just for you. Don't have anxiety about your children and their financial future. Don't have anxiety and worry about your grandchildren or their financial future. Look at the ravens. And now for his next illustration, our third imperative. He points us to another part of nature. Jesus now says, and consider the lilies, how they grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one lily. If God clothes the grass in this way that is in the field today and yet tomorrow thrown into the furnace, most people then could not afford wood. So they would take the grass and burn it in their ovens and stoves. How much more will he clothe all of you, O ones of little faith? Where does Jesus keep bringing us back to? The antidote to financial worry and anxiety is faith in the comprehensive care of our Heavenly Father. If he puts that much love and care into clothing flowers that are so seasonal, don't you think he is also going to see that you have daily needs and clothing too? And in a very strict sense have any of you literally gone for a long time without any food or any clothing whatsoever the father is faithful to every promise isn't he do you sense now the freedom that jesus is inviting you into i mean if we don't have to live our life all wound up with financial worry and anxiety because we have a Father who knows our needs and will give us our daily bread, what do we do with all that extra time on our hands? It's not filled with worry and anxiety anymore because Jesus said, stop, the Father knows. Look at Jesus' next four imperatives. She continues, now you yourselves, stop seeking what you will eat and drink and stop being anxious. The nations of the world pursue these things and your father knows that you need them. Rather, here we go. Because we don't have to fill ourselves with financial anxiety and worry because we are under the father's care. We are free to seek his kingdom. And those material things will be added to you. And now you could hear the disciples having anxiety. What do you mean, seek his kingdom? Where's the kingdom? Where do we do that, Lord? And again, Jesus says, Stop fearing, little flock. The Father is delighted to give you the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? It's everywhere that Jesus is reigning with his love and his grace. Matthew, Mark say, the kingdom of God is at hand. Luke goes even further and says the kingdom of God is in you. Because as his baptized child, Jesus is reigning in your heart with all of his love and grace. And so the Father has already been pleased to give you what you most desperately need, the kingdom of his Son. And so what kind of transformation does this have in our day-to-day walk? We have the Father's promise of our daily bread yeah he doesn't promise us a standard of living he doesn't promise us fame and fortune he doesn't promise us the american dream but he does promise everything we need for our food and clothing our daily bread so if we don't have anxiety about that but we are now free to seek his kingdom everywhere jesus is reigning and his truth and love and grace What does this look like every day? I want to show you two bodies of water in the Middle East that are relatively close to each other. But those two bodies of water are as different as night is today. The very top there, the north, you will notice the Sea of Galilee. That's where the disciples, many of them, fished. That's where they crossed in their boats. That's where Jesus walked on that sea. The Sea of Galilee to this day is filled with fish and vegetation and life and play and commerce. But those same waters flow down into the Jordan River. And they make their way into the Dead Sea. And the name's kind of a giveaway, isn't it? There's no vegetation even on its banks. There's no fishing, there's no commerce, there's no play going on. There's absolutely no life. It is a barren, watery waste. The Dead Sea. Do you know what one of the fundamental differences is between them? The Sea of Galilee takes all the life All the energy it receives from all of its tributaries. And it passes them on into the Jordan River. It sends them downstream to bless the waters below with life. The Dead Sea. All of that same water with life that it receives. It keeps every drop to itself. The Dead Sea doesn't give any of it off. It just continues to hoard. And it's the most dead body of water on the earth. What kind of transformation does Jesus bring in our lives that live every day under our Father's gracious care? Look at his final three imperatives. Jesus says, sell your possessions and give alms, give charity, give generously. Make for yourself money bags that will not wear out a secure treasure in the heaven. Because where your treasure is, that's also where we'll see your heart. All the blessings that we receive from our Father materially and financially. Jesus says, let them go. Send them downstream like the Sea of Galilee to bless other people in need, to glorify God and to support the kingdom causes. When I was a pastor in Buffalo, New York area for 10 years at our small congregation, these words really struck home, and we worked with leadership to have a possessions sale, not a yard sale or a garage sale, not $1 to $2 junk, sorry I'm a little biased, but a possessions sale, sell your possessions. And so I challenged, we worked to challenge everybody to part with something that hurt, something that had value, and God did. Someone sold their Fender guitar, a nice computer, not one that was 10 years old and couldn't run modern software. Someone gave collectibles, antiques, golf clubs. The small church sold $6,000 of possessions and dug 2 freshwater wells in Rwanda, Africa. That is being a blessing sending it downstream with all that we have received. I asked our finance office here earlier this week. We've started these monthly mission partners. As you see up here in the basket Just since we started this in January, St. Peter has given out more than $46,000 just in our monthly mission offerings. That is taking all these blessings and sending them downstream to kingdom causes. And look at Jesus' words in the middle. Every time the church does that, there is a financial transaction taking place. We are transferring funds from Wall Street to heaven. We are letting go here so that we can lay up there where Jesus says they are secure. There is no greater return on all that God has blessed us with here materially and financially. So as we sit with these words of Jesus, I want to put up one final slide. These will serve as our here and practice questions. Because we trust every day in the perfect provision of our Heavenly Father, here's what we can do boldly. We can live as ravens and lilies do, free of financial anxiety because we have a heavenly father on top of that. We can also boldly pursue Jesus and his kingdom every day. We don't have to spend all that time worrying. We can be in his word and prayer and worship and sacraments. We can also boldly cast off the greed of the dead sea and exchange it for gratitude with all of God's blessings to us how about the last one as an individual as a married couple as a family what if we boldly in 2024 set more giving goals than we did income goals that is letting go here to lay up here give that some thought if you're with someone now Do you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you? Does one of those surfacing? Go ahead and have that conversation and then we'll continue the service in just a moment.